Hello you and welcome to episode number 31 of the Midiara Meets podcast where we speak to a wide range of people from the music world. On the show this time we're talking to Annie Klang who is a supreme techno DJ and producer known for her dark, brooding, hard, industrial techno sounds. Uh, Annie grew up in California, she uh, studied in New York, she's also lived in Berlin, so she's played the legendary Bergen Club, which we speak about, uh, and she also runs her own Twitch channel. You can now donate to the podcast if you like, we have a PayPal page, uh, a Ko-fi page, and a GoFundMe page, um, and any donations are gratefully received and all go back into the running of the show. Okay, let's get on with the interview. The first thing I asked Annie was about her musical beginnings. Um, I mean, like, yeah, good question. I, I, I kind of think about this a lot because I feel like, the, you know, the, the first time you listen to music or the first time you have that experience should be, like, really profound and really special and should, like, stick with you forever. Um, but I'm not sure that I really had that. I mean, there's there's more just like a bunch of little uh, snapshots that kind of come up for me. Um, so my my dad is uh, is really into electronic music. He was a you know old little raver kid. He went to uh, a lot of the early spots in uh, in New York and and London, and has told me some it's pretty crazy stories. But of course, has left out the the really raunchy details. I assume. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So so pretty much in in every house we lived in, uh, he had a recording studio somewhere um i think the the first house we lived in was in austin texas and i remember there was like a staircase and like my room was on the second floor so like and then his studio was sort of like in between the first and second floor like off the staircase so like for some reason i have this very vivid like little snapshot of just like sitting in that little platform like between the two staircases um outside my dad's studio like hearing these like really like kind of horrifying noises. I mean, to be fair, it was probably just like a Moog synth or something uh, because he had quite a nice synth collection. Um, It was probably just something like that. But I remember just being like really scared and just being like, oh my God, like, like what? And I was like, I remember I started like crying and I just like did not like it. Um, And so then I'm not sure if if this was related or not, but then my dad moved his studio out to a little shack in the uh, like, I don't know, near like the, the, the backyard, I guess, just a little area out there. So then <laughs> scarred a little less. Um, but that was probably one of the one of the earliest instances, which is sitting outside my dad's studio and kind of just hearing what he was doing. Um, and then we also had a little uh, upright piano. And uh, I remember I, I was really fascinated with the piano because uh, like very early on, I discovered like the joy of pressing a button and then hearing sound and sort of that, that immediate like gratification. Um, and so literally I'd be like three or four years old and I would just sit there and just write little melodies and kind of like remember them in my head and sort of just I didn't know obviously theory or anything wasn't taking lessons but I kind of like quickly discovered oh this note sounds good after this note and these two sound good together and like I just kind of started piecing together like the the rudiments I guess of of music at that point um and yeah I've just I've always been a, a loud obnoxious child so if there was no other way to make music or make sound I would just make it with my mouth and annoy the hell out of everybody <laughs> And it was, it was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I guess those are kind of the, the earliest little little tidbits that I recall. Amazing. I, th- I don't. Yeah, there's not many people I've spoken to who's who's like, oh, you know, any of their parents have had any sort of studio or, um, yeah, a place to 
um, make synth noises. Uh, when you were, when you were talking, it sort of reminded me of that scene in Jurassic Park. You know, when the T Rex is first appearing and the water like starts shaking in the cup. Oh yeah, yeah. So imagine yeah. you sitting there with like the house shaking. <laughs> you know, like the my, my little like milk bottle is quivering. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. What that, is this earthquake? Because <laughs> you know, like yeah. Moog, the 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 sub bass on a Moog is like it's really powerful. It's um, it's pretty nasty. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty hardcore. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, my like before my dad knew that. I was going to be, um, you know, in electronic music. He sold a lot of his synthesizers. Yeah, he, he had he had the like the Ferrari red Nord lead with the with the wooden mod wheel and uh, yeah, he had a nice Moog. He had a couple others, a couple of outboard um, effects racks as well. And I was just like, oh, I I beat him up about that every day. I'm just like, why the hell did you sell that stuff? <laughs> like, mm, never let him forget that. <laughs> I know, I won't, I won't. It's just oh, so sad. Rest you, in peace. You, you're right but. to call out the Nord, the Nord mod wheel, that wooden mod wheel thing. Um, it's really, Classy really as hell. expressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like those, that little detail makes such a difference. And it's, yeah, it's really responsive, but also just like a beautiful piece of gear. You know, if you're not playing it, it's just a joy to look at. You know, it's just, it's art. It's, oh, I it is. It. I was, yeah, I'm, I was going to sort of speak to you. I have a Nord drum, you know, like the little mm. drum machine. I would yeah. honestly recommend it. It's like one of the most toughest okay. urban um, drum machines of all time. Maybe we'll talk about gear a bit later and I'll explain why I think that is. But yeah, the Nord totally, drum, yeah. it's tough. It's, it's Hell yeah. hard. Like it's, But it's also quite tonal. Um, cool. True, yeah. No, I, I'll look into that for sure. I'm yeah, always looking for more gear, even though I probably don't need it. <laughs> you need the Nord drum anyway. Uh, I need the yeah, Nord drum? All right, yeah. It's built like, they're all built like tanks, aren't they? You could like, you could throw a Nord keyboard at someone and probably kill like multiple yeah. people with it. Yeah, I, I dropped my interface on the ground the other day and it, it, uh, it kind of like it made like a hole in my door. Like, not a hole, but like a big like chunk of wood came off my door and I was like, no, like obviously I was like the interface, <laughs> but it works great. I mean, the, the door suffered more than the interface, but yeah. That's good, yeah. <laughs> Oops, That's yeah. Nice. Gonna repaint it. So, um, and what sort of stuff were you listening to growing up in sort of like your teenage years? Um... Let's see, well, well, growing up, I guess, uh, the main thing I listened to was classic rock just because it was always on in the house. Um, we had the Sirius XM and there was always, uh, you know, the, the classic rock station playing because it was, it was kind of just something that was easy for all of us to listen to. Um, I mean, my, my dad is one of these people who listens to like every genre. I mean, one day it'll be like, I don't know, tribal, like, I don't know, like ethnic African, you know, djembe orchestras and the next day it'll be you know deep house and the next day it'll be opera so it's like you know there, there were a lot of genres in the house but I'd say the most consistent one was classic rock for sure um I think that's that's in general like a really good sort of introduction genre into like the depths of music because it is you know a lot of it's very you know friendly and likable but once you start going into like the the deeper weirder stuff like Pink Floyd and, and the Doors and Zeppelin and all that stuff it, it, it there is a lot of like very interesting production there and um especially kind of like the rise of electronic music and rock was really cool um so i was really into into that um you know the the, the beatles white album like changed my life which is really cliche to say because everybody loves the beatles <laughs> but you know it's it's a great album and i don't care <laughs> um and then after that i um i know what was it my yeah my my brother introduced me to eminem and my, my first reaction was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is horrible. Like, why is this little white man yelling at me? Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> um, and then like, I think as I started to like grow into my adolescence and once my own like angst started to present itself, 
uh, I was like, oh, like I get it now. Like, yeah, I'm fucking angry too. Like I want to burn shit. Like, yeah, this is totally, <laughs> It's kind of my like my like punk awakening, I guess, like because there is sort of a, a very like punk mentality about Eminem. I mean, he's such a like yeah. anarchist and just goes against the, the the norm and against the grain so so like passionately. Um, that was probably of- like the first artist I really fell in love with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can almost I I pretty much yeah I'm I he's one of the he was up there for me too. I think. Um, what sort of tracks? What sort of tracks was got you into it? What were you listening to of his? Oh man. Um, I think like the first song my brother showed me was a was was a brain damage off the Slim Shady LP, and um, it's just it's such a visual song. It's it's such a like there's such a narrative and such a story that it's just like it just it blew my mind. It was like he beat my head against the urinal. It's like broke my nose, soaked my clothes in blood, grabbed me and choked my throat. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I don't even like violence. I don't like horror movies. Like I don't like I don't like any any type of media where people die. I don't know. But for some reason, I just found it like hilarious. <laughs> I found it awesome. It was like, there's like a sort of like cartoon aspect to it. It's like slapstick, you know? Um, so that, that whole record's amazing. Um, the Marshall Mathers LP has a lot of good ones. Um, I mean, like Kim, I have a love-hate relationship with Kim because it's so, it's so gnarly and so like fucked up. Uh, but I love it. Uh, Stan as well. Which like it kind of makes me mad that Gen Zers are using the word "stand" so much, and it's like, do you even know where that came from? Do you even know the Eminem song? Like, shut up! <laughs> it's super mm-hmm. annoying. Um, it's funny. Yeah, that you and mentioned- then of course. Go on, sorry. Eminem show, like oh, I mean, like all of it. I just I love all of his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you mentioned brain damage because that for me as well. Um, and my friends at that time was like one of the most amazing songs. Is that the track where he says, "Will someone please explain to my brain that I just severed a main vein with a chainsaw and I'm in pain"? Is that brain damage? I, I think so. Yeah, it's definitely on that record. I mean, I, like... I, can, I can pretty much recite the whole record. So it's on that record for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw him tour that album in Manchester. Uh, in about... You saw him live? Yeah. Oh, dude. He crowd surfed. He, we like fucking carried Eminem <laughs> through the crowd like in, a, in about 1999, I think it was. Um, that must have been like the greatest show. I'm so jealous that I would have killed to see that. Oh my god. Yeah, MC Proof was there, who later got shot and killed. Yeah. Like it, yeah. That was mental. It was yeah. We Dude. were like 15 at the time, or 16. It was like ah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> the most god. Amazing gig ever. I would have lost my shit. Oh my. Oh my god. I've only seen the YouTube videos, but I I, I can imagine. I mean, but also like such an important moment in hip hop, you know, where, where you have a white MC and a black MC coming together and like really reaching so many more ears than hip hop previously had. I mean, it was, it was such a like seminal moment for that, for that genre and opened so many doors to other artists. I mean, it's, it's huge. And, and also the loss of proof was, was massive, you know, but um, I think definitely led him in him to make, you know, more of the music he's making today. But um, yeah, yeah, I think dude, that's I'm so really jealous. <laughs> it, it, it was amazing. I think I still have the ticket stub. Um, but yeah, oh, I th- nice. it's yeah. totally true because before before then, white rappers were just like these cheesy guys like Vanilla Ice and, uh, you know, just white boys rapping. And it was always a bit funny. Like, it, But then yeah, was like... But too it. safe, you know? Yeah. I remember yeah. Guilty Conscience as well. I think f- the Guilty Conscience yeah. video because they, <laughs> yeah. they used that sort of a fake bullet time. And yeah. that, that track still gets me going now. I can just crank that Same. one up and just be like... 
fuck yeah. Such it's so track. good. It's so good, but also just so wildly inappropriate, like on so <laughs> many levels. I mean, and, and I, I kind of think like, okay, like if Eminem came out and started releasing this shit today, he would get canceled immediately. There's no way in hell this would fly for more than like a second, you know, which is like kind of stupid, but it's also like, okay, like I'm really glad that he like, like that was like his time to shine and we can still like appreciate that music for like what it was today you know but um definitely yeah have you so seen special have you seen the um the documentary series uh with dr dre and jimmy levine what's it called it's not called the untouchables um, what's it called is it the one on uh, on netflix it's just about like hip-hop or it's about dr dre um and his career and there's like obviously a large section of that picking up eminem and his career like yeah. later on I don't think I have seen that actually. Oh, I need to watch great. that. Oh, you seriously should. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's about okay. Dr. Dre and Jimmy Levine is 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 the yeah. guy, I think. And it's about how they met and then and then this this trajectory into hip hop. And Eminem yeah. is a large part of that that whole story. Huge, so, yeah. Yeah, Huge. it's a great I, I can't remember what it I've I've got it on one of my computers. It's it's called like not the Untouchables, but something like the Untouchables. Something like that. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, I'll, I'll look that up for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've watched like every documentary about Eminem. I've read all of his books. Like, <laughs> like so I probably like have picked up most of like that story too. But uh, but I'm I'm still curious about the like Dre perspective. Hmm. Um, really interesting. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because that guy's had an amazing life, not an easy life either. Totally, you know, he's had like yeah, oh, serious, definitely not. Yeah, serious things to to get over. That's serious really cool. struggles. Yeah. Yeah, where did you go on from there, from from those sorts of rock bands and Eminem and yeah, so so I guess yeah, so so after that, um, I mean, like I'll, I'll always be a, be an Eminem fan, you know. That's like to to this very day, <laughs> I love him. Uh, but but after that, I think I sort of started to like want more like fusions between those genres, you know. Like like I still kind of liked the the dirty grit of a of an electric guitar and of you know overdrive and amplifiers, but I still liked. Um, you know the sort of the, the the lyrical and like literary content of of vocals but i also liked you know electronic drums and things like that so i started kind of looking for groups and bands that were embodying all those uh different i guess sonic themes and through that uh also my dad showed me uh massive attack and and portishead and theory corporation and people like that uh and then sort of my, my love of trip hop was born out of that because it was sort of the the perfect marriage between um you know hip hop and acoustic electric music and electronic drums and electronic sampling and it was sort of just like all the elements I liked from these genres sort of put together in one. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, so my, my big love of trip hop took off, I guess, around to like 2010. And that was also around the time that I uh, got really into like UK dubstep um, and, and bass music, uh, like early people like, like, like Rusko and Caspa and Scream and those guys. Um, definitely more to like the electronic <laughs> side of things, but, um, but that's really kind of what launched my, my love of, uh, of electronic music and, drum manipulation and sampling and so at, at that point um i was mainly just making hip-hop beats uh because i wanted to be just like eminem and i wanted to rap and i wanted you know people to spit on my beats and i, just, I wanted to be like dr dre i guess uh just a white female <laughs> dr dre uh and after that i was like you know like hip-hop's fun but there's like so many other genres and so many other ways i can i can make music so i just i, I made like a ton of different shit around that time um yeah, and so that was that was kind of my my like high school time, I guess.
And what were you using to make beats then? Um, at that point, I was I was actually only using a machine studio. Uh, I, I don't know why. I think I, I got a machine for Christmas and I really enjoyed it. But the uh, I don't know, like the actual DAW that it comes with is not that great. It's a uh, it's a little it's a little clunky and not quite as um, I guess advanced and uh, not quite as deep as Ableton. So I kind of wished I had um, done more stuff with Ableton sooner. I mean, like I knew how to use Ableton and I, I made some really early beats just by dragging loops, you know, in live mode. Um, and, you know, I, I would use that to, uh, you know, record vocals and stuff. I also played with Logic a little bit as well. Um, but primarily uh, I was on Machine Studio, which was fun, but, you know, I feel like I could have done crazier shit in different DAWs. Um, I, know, I know what you mean about Machine. I have, like, dabbled with it. Yeah. And it is a very sort of self-contained environment, isn't it? It looks lovely. It really looks beautiful. Yeah, totally, um, yeah. Yeah, it is quite limiting in terms of, I guess, if you want to do some really way out shit within, you know, in a couple of minutes, you can't really do it in Machine, although I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like like there's there's not as much uh, like flexibility with uh, with sample manipulation, and you you can't like you know save uh, chains and and like like affect chains and presets and stuff like that as easily. Um, it, it's great if you want to just like bang out a beat in like two hours, like just slam together a couple drum grooves and some samples. Like it, it's really just a, a a sampler, I guess, mixed with like a MIDI drum machine, I suppose. Um, and it's great for like live performance as well. Um, but yeah, but I, I got the Ableton push like two years ago. And that's that's kind of been my my, my new love. <laughs> it's really great, yeah. What do you like about it? Um, I mean, I love all the pads because I, you know, <laughs> I just I, I I probably use I mean like fifty to a hundred drum sounds when I'm when I'm making beats, and then later on I'll I'll sort of narrow it down. Um, but I love just kind of having that super large workspace. Uh, I love all all the knobs and the different routing capabilities, being able to map uh, macros. I love the the little beat repeat functions. Um, I'm still getting into the step sequencer side. I'm yet to use that, but um, I mean it's it's also been really helpful for live performances, being able to load uh, multiple different songs and do B BPM changes and sort of you know mix and match patterns and uh, mix and match stems. And um, yeah, it, it's just like a very flexible piece of equipment hmm. which I really enjoy. And it also looks great. It does, yeah. <laughs> you like the OLED yeah. screen and all that stuff's lovely. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's it, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. I remember doing some recording at a friend's house and and he was like, "Oh, we just need to use the push." And he turned off the monitor and we were recording like, you know, synths and loops and things. I was just like, "Wow, this is we're actually doing this without the fucking screen." Uh, like it was it was right? a revolutionary yeah. moment. Yeah, it's great. And, and it kind of brings you back to like, you know, the, the early days of, of music production where, you know, computers were not really part of the mix that much. <laughs> it's more just to record the output, but there's no manipulation there, which is kind of interesting. But it's still kind of a challenge to sort of force myself to like, you know, be out of the box and just use the um, the piece of equipment. So I'm getting there. But sometimes I get into robot mode and just want to <laughs> automate everything by hand. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle. Cool. And what did you do? And um so in terms, you said you were in college about roughly in those days. Did you did you have a desire to further your education in in music and production at that point? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so like my last year of of high school, which is you know, it's, it's kind of stupid that like that's when we're required to to figure out what we want to do with our life because it's like we just we don't know anything and it's just it's kind of you know sort of bogus. But um, yeah, at that time, I I knew I wanted to do something creative. I was really into a uh, into graphic design. Uh, and, and Photoshop and um, drawing and things like that. I but, but like music was still kind of my main passion. So I was deciding 
like, okay, do I want to pursue like an art degree? Do I want to go to film school and do sound for film? Or do I want to do the music, music production thing, engineering, music business thing? Um, and unfortunately, there weren't a lot of schools that really uh, like tailored to a, a four-year education in music production and, and music business. I uh, did tons of research and the the only like four-year university that wasn't like a little specialty school uh, was the Clive Davis Institute at NYU. And I saw they had a, a summer program for like incoming seniors or something. Uh, so I did that, had, had a great time um, and then applied early decision to NYU and yeah, they accepted me, which was great. So at that point it was like, all right, it's decided I'm going to this school and I'm, I'm doing the, the, the music thing. And so it was a, it was a great decision, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of jokingly told my parents, I was like, if I don't get into NYU, I don't get into this music school. I'm, I'm just going to like join the Peace Corps and like move to Africa. They were like, ha ha, <laughs> no, you're not. You will go to college. We go to college in this family. I was like, okay. You go to college, I go to Africa. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why can't I just, you know, <laughs> join the Peace Corps for a year and then try again later. And they were just like, no. I was like, All right. So luckily I, I got in and it was fine. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of the, the deciding moment and it was really exciting. So I'm really glad yeah. I went. And what sort of what sort of modules, what sort of things were you working on and learning uh, during those four years? Um, we, we learned pretty much everything about the industry. It's, it's sort of a uh, like like a strong like tripartite program, I guess, where it focuses on on production, business and uh, sort of the, the entrepreneurship self-starter side of it. So um, so as Ooh. incoming freshmen, like it doesn't matter if you are only interested in like starting a label or you're only interested in like being a singer songwriter. Like you have to learn everything, um, you know, like everything in that curriculum pretty much, which is actually a really smart way to do it because, you know, as a, as a uh, artist starting out, you really do need to know every facet of the industry because um, it will, you know, serve you well. I mean, b being a freelance artist is basically like owning your own business. So even if you are just like a singer songwriter, you still have to be able to, you know, know what a royalty deal is and you still have to be able to, you know, to hear what 300 hertz sounds like so you can tell the engineer like oh you know my voice sounds a little muddy in that range let's duck it a little bit you know so it's like all these skills do kind of feed into each other um so that was like the the main essence of the curriculum uh, i of course took more of like the the production artist route like after the first two years you can start taking more like specialized courses um in your field so um yeah I, I took a mastering class that was really interesting um i took an audio ear training course which was like super helpful it's oh, basically cool. just memorizing, yeah, just what all the different bands of frequencies sound like, uh, what different reverb times sound like, like different pre-delays, what compression sounds like. It's just training your ears, basically. That's and really useful. It was so useful. Like, I would recommend that to, like, every producer because it's, it's massive. Um, and then, yeah, then we learned, you know, how to run a studio and hook up mics and different miking techniques and, you know, patch bays and pretty much everything you'd need to be a, a successful producer or an engineer was, was covered. So it, it was a really, really great uh, university experience. Yeah, that sounds really broad because, you know, I think a dope. lot of people go into the music industry with blind spots and yeah. um, you never know when those blind spots are going to be called upon and you're just like, shit, what do I do yeah. now, you know? So, totally, yeah. yeah. That yeah. seems amazing. I think there are now a lot, there are a few websites which do do sort of audio tests and um, tr help you train. But you're okay. right. Yeah, that you're right. It's, I mean, listening for, for types of delay and, and compression and stuff. Um, it's, totally, it's so important. It is. And it is like training. It is like practice. You can't just switch it on and I know all this stuff straight away. You yeah. Know, you have to put the time in. You have to put the hours yeah. in and, and really 
listen in a high resolution essentially like totally yeah lifting heavy weight is like listening in a high resolution yeah it's like it's like building up a muscle yeah Totally. Yeah. yeah. And then, and also listening like in, cause like the, the, the studios that we, um, that we were taught class in are like full functioning, very like nicely designed studios with like perfect acoustic treatment. Um, so yeah, so we were listening in a very high fidelity environment, which was not only great, but also, uh, the producer, I know the, um, the, the professor that taught that class was a multi Grammy award-winning producer and engineer. So, and he was like, you know, definitely just like a veteran in his, in his field. So, so getting his take and his, his like personal explanations was just like invaluable, like hmm. amazing. Yeah. What, what, who is that? What was his name? Uh, Jim Anderson. Jim Anderson. Right. Cool. Yeah. He's, he's the man. Yeah. It was great. Cause I, that is one question I always like to ask people about mentors, you know, people who have appeared in your life at any particular moment and sort of guided you somewhere. Do you have, do you have people like that, that you can, that you can point out? Um, I mean, yeah, like, like a lot of my professors were, were really, um, I guess really kind of seminal and, and, and encouraging me to kind of go, uh, into like the, the, the left field, I guess, and sort of explore more of the fringes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely one of the, one of the weirder artists <laughs> in the, uh, you know, in, in our grade. Um, it was, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of kids who wanted to be, you know, pop stars and rappers and things like that, um, which was great. But uh, I, I kind of, um, I tried really hard not to be, not to feel pressured by, by that. And like, even today, like a lot of them are massive. They've over, you know, hundred thousand followers and they're touring the world and all this stuff. And it's like, I'm super, super happy for them, but it is kind of a struggle not getting um, sort of caught up in, in that energy and being like, okay, like that's their journey. This is my journey. We're in very different genres. Um, so that has been kind of a, a struggle, but I think um, mentor-wise, uh, do you know uh, J.D. Sampson? She was uh, a uh, yeah. So so she was in uh, El Tigre, um, an old like female punk band, and uh, was also part of Men. Um, she's she's a really cool uh, queer woman um, who I guess initially signed on as an adjunct professor, and then I think now she's she's a full-time professor. Um, but, but she was also a, a really important mentor to me because like, not only did she encourage me to kind of explore the left field, like she, she was already kind of in it, you know, she, she was throwing, uh, you know, queer and, and gay parties in, in Brooklyn. She knew a lot of the DJs I was listening to, like she was very closely like involved in the scene that I was trying to get invested in. And, and she, she booked me a couple of times, uh, introduced me to some, some really awesome people. Um, so that was, that was super helpful. But, um, but yeah, I feel like since I've been moving around so much, I haven't really had a lot of opportunities to meet people who are like older than me and really accomplished. Um, a lot of the people I spend time with are kind of like at my same level professionally. Um, so I, I just kind of get, get inspired by, by my peers and, and people around me and they always kind of help me get better. Yeah, too, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's true. Uh, that's, that's true. And I think, yeah, mentors can take many sort of shapes and sizes. Maybe they can be yeah. younger than you, but they just have something that they give you a little gift of something and you, and you realize that, that you know that takes you forward you know yeah totally um, for sure that's cool yeah I did read an article uh, an interview where you did for a Dulst, a place in Dalston I think it, mm. a place in Dalston in London and you mentioned yeah, yeah. about being about being um yeah being in the queer scene and like having having the support of other uh, of other DJs and stuff uh, rather than feeling alienated in that scene yeah yeah and that, that's been super important um because like I mean, people love to ask, you know, and it drives me crazy. You know, what's it like to be a to be a woman in such a male-dominated world? You know, what's what's it like? 
And like, what do you mean? What's it like? Like, what? Like, it's it's fine. Like, it's it's you know, like yeah, there's a lot of dudes, but like, I don't care because like in my specific niche, it is it is so diverse and so queer and so accepting that it's like it was never really that big of an issue. Like, of course, if I was making Tech House, it'd be a very different story. Um, but you know, that's that's not the scene I fell in love with. That's not the scene that I create music for. So it's like like overall, the experience has been really uh, really quite quite positive and really uplifting, mm. and um. And I think like people don't give themselves enough, enough like autonomy, I guess, with who they affiliate themselves with. Like if you don't want to be around sexist behavior, then just don't hang out with sexist people. Like it's, you know, it's very easy to kind of like identify, um, you know, problematic areas and problematic spaces and problematic people that like you have the freedom to avoid those if you want to. Like that's, that's your choice. And so I've just, I've just kind of really been strategic about who I get involved with and who I spend time with, who I work with. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a good experience, I'd say. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great scene. Yeah, and I, I saw you mentioned um, the artist Arca in that, um, yeah. in that interview as well. Like, what an amazing, what an amazing human! Like, some of the she's yeah, amazing. There's one track called Mutant, which I heard uh, a few years <laughs> yeah. ago. Oh my god, I love that. That's track a great one. So much. It's so lush. Like I just, I would love to just see one of her like sessions and just like how, like it's just, it's so just like thick and like, ugh, just I love it. It's like a, ugh, it's, it's like a, it's like a blanket that's just morphing and growing and spawning little bumps and freckles. I don't know. It's just, it's so, <laughs> it just, it just puts so many weird images in my mind. I love it. Like it's, it's amazing. Definitely. I think you said in that interview, like. I'll put, and then Arca would play and everyone would be crying and hugging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, that would be yeah. fucking ace. Right, yeah. No, that, yeah, I think I remember that that question. I think I said, like, I'd, I'd throw on, like, Juliana Huxtable, like, Arca, uh, Zior, and, like, me. And I just, I feel like that would just be, like, such an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's all of Too us much. just have, like, yeah. All of our music is just so, like... <laughs> intense so uh, yeah that'd be an, that'd be an experience maybe someday we make that happen yeah I think intense is a good is a good way to describe uh, some of your music as well um with with a, like an emotional an emotional quality to that intensity as well, isn't there? Yeah. Where where do you take inspiration from uh, to make your music? Um, I mean, the inspiration comes from everywhere. I mean, it's it's definitely not like one specific place. I mean, just just being a human in the world, we we inherently pick up little little bit, bits and bops of things that that inspire us or intrigue us or, or me especially. It's like. I could get inspiration from a from a construction site to a to a conversation to a uh, you know a, a random sound or song I hear in a coffee shop. I mean, it, from a life experience. I mean, it really comes from from everywhere. Um, but I would say like the, the the big like I guess turning point in my productions where my music started to get more more dark and more serious and more emotional was after a very large tragedy in my life. Um, my my best friend uh, from university committed suicide. That was super rough. Um, and, you know, to this day, I'm still kind of processing it and recovering from it. But um, in, a, in a way, that, uh, that event, I think, really kind of gave me something I didn't have before, which was a very heavy sense of, like, 
pain and but also like wanting to it was a sense of pain but also a sense of of, of urgency to really make something of this life and to sort of use um the inspiration and the influences that he gave me in a uh, in a positive and concrete way and it it gave me a, a sense of really um wanting to to help him live on through something sonic and through something concrete and through something that could that could last longer than you know the finite period of a lifetime um so that's something that I that I still take uh, inspiration from and I still draw from because it is one of the, you know, one of the most, I guess, one of the gnarliest things that's ever happened to me. But uh, but I think, you know, the, those those experiences and those those moments of, of pain kind of act as a little uh, a little bank, I guess. That you can just always, always draw from and always use as um, as inspiration, as as content, as as something that can just be let out in into the world um, and, you know, hopefully could. Uh, I guess speak to somebody who maybe is in a similar mindset. Um, so that's that's probably the, the the big one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so really sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, it's all right. It must have been a very sort of traumatic and sort of unreal experience. But yeah, I think you're right. You know, being able to express how that felt then is an amazing thing to then how, how to connect to other people who are feeling that way, but maybe don't have the outlet for the emotions. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, uh, of course, art is always a, a great way to sort of, um, you know, channel emotions and sort of work through feelings. Um, but for, for me, it was also a way to like feel closer to him again. I had all these all these like audio recordings of him, uh, you know, talking to me and him like singing and him being funny and stuff. So I, I, I sort of like I, I used those recordings in a lot of my first EP because it sort of like made me feel like I had power over the situation again, you know, or I had uh, I had some type of, of, of ownership over what happened, you know, or I, I sort of had the ability to like take his voice and use it in my own way. So it made me feel like closer to him again. And that, that's sort of like the, the beauty of audio is it's really one of the one of the few areas of life. And I guess for all arts, really, it's one of the few areas of life where you have full autonomy and full control. Um, over the outcome, because you know, we all know you, you can't control shit elsewhere. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's very little. Yeah, I think it's um, yeah very important to just focus on the things we can control. It's quite easy yeah. to get overwhelmed by the the myriad of infinite possibilities that we can't control. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, that's nice that he was still you know he was still there with you on your journey. You know he was still part yeah. of it and very much totally driving yeah. force behind it that's really cool yeah thanks yeah i try to you know keep him keep him with me in all the all the moments you know and it's it's a good uh you know it's a good kind of driving force i guess to to keep going mm. was that the worst of all time record? it was yes yeah. <laughs> yes yeah cool 2017 i've got written down yeah here. Mm-hmm. yeah excellent yeah that, um, that was a fun one to make i mean i guess not, well, not really fun it was pretty pretty emotionally taxing but uh, it's still it's still fun to play out and dance to, but uh, yeah, a lot of lot of emotions in that one. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. No, I've you know I thoroughly enjoyed listening to music. It's like it's well, really edgy, really industrial, um, but still with yeah, lots of texture and um, and depth to it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, do you? I mean, yeah, you clearly enjoy the sort of sound design side of it as well, like manipulating samples totally. and playing with them. Yeah, how yeah. do you go about doing that? Um, so a, a lot of the, the sounds, both on Worst of All Time and Burn the Empire, um, were sort of made from little, uh, recordings I made on my little Zoom recorder, um, in a lot of areas, uh, that I've traveled. Um, I think, 
that was it. A lot of the sounds on on Burn the Empire, uh, shockingly enough, were just from walking around my old apartment in Berlin. Um, a lot of those sort of industrial stabs and textures and stuff came from me, like rummaging through a, a silverware drawer. Came from me, like you know, just playing with knives and like throwing knives on a counter. Like my friend walked in and just saw me like dropping this knife repeatedly on the table. She was like, "What the hell are you doing?" I was like, "I'm making art." <laughs> like, um, so yeah, so a lot of it is like, I, I kind of try to use, um, you know, real life sounds at first, um, just to sort of generate audio content. And then uh, the, the, the real sort of fun part comes in, you know, once I upload it um, and, you know, drop it into Ableton and start um, loading it through tons of effects. Uh, I, I love to use um, Reactor. I use Reactor 6 and 7 because I, I like some of the old ensembles, but also the new ones are really fun too. Nice. Um, but yeah, I sort of figured out how to like drop in my own samples into the samplers and just sort of like record the output. Then I'll take that output and maybe run it through like three OTTs and a distortion and maybe another glitch unit and then record the output of that and then maybe stretch it and chop it and, you know, throw it onto a drum rack and then sort of drum out little bits and chopped up splices on the drum rack and see what little what little rhythms or what little melodies sort of emerge. Um, it, it's really about just having like, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes of just unusable noise and then just finding the little snippets of usable beauty in there, you know, and kind of trying to like find the hidden song. It's like a little, <laughs> little audio scavenger hunt. It's like, what, <laughs> where is the hit? It's in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a lot of, uh, yeah, just like manipulating, bouncing, recording, re-recording chopping splicing um and then once i kind of have a general like sound idea um you know then i'll start diving into the kick drum process which is a whole other can of worms but yeah wow oh that's great uh, thank you very much for that description there was loads in there that was really interesting really relevant you mentioned the ott uh, compressor which is yeah. like do you know there's like it's i think it's using uh, upward compression isn't it like expanding so it's like yeah boosting yeah. lower dynamic yeah there, yeah there's um i, I watched a, a mr bill tutorial recently where um there's something like he he basically just took a sine wave and put like eight or nine otts on it and like completely changed the waveform entirely it's like how to make a sign into like a square like using just compression and i was like what but it's like he just completely reshaped it with just otts and it's it's an incredibly powerful compressor but both the the, the ableton one and the the outboard one um mm. the, the, but yeah it's it's nuts it's it's so powerful <laughs> there's a guy do you know the the video game doom yeah of course okay yeah. so the guy who who did the soundtrack to that is called mick gordon and he's okay. got this thing called the Doom Compressor. And it's an oh, FL man. Studio. It's an FL Studio sort of um, VST. Um, but okay. somebody very recently remade it in Ableton. Oh, and yes. And essentially what it does is it amplifies any signal by 200 dB. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got oh, an EQ man. in there. And I think it sort of does a little bit, some kind of multiband. But um, okay. I can send you a link to it. Yeah, it's called the Doom Compressor. That sounds so far up my alley. I'm, I'm like scared of what I would make with that. That's like, yeah. oh man, well, yes, just, please. When you just mentioned yeah. the OTT, I was like, hmm, this is time to talk about the Doom Compressor. Yeah, yes, no, it sounds amazing. Yeah, I just want to get like, weird. you know, when you record like the ambience of a room and you can't really hear any of it back, I want to run yeah. that through the Doom Compressor. So it just yes, 200 yeah. dB on like weird <laughs> sounds that are in the room that you can't even hear, you know? Yeah. 
Oh my God, that'd be so much fun. Yeah. Or that, that kind of sounds a little bit like, like, like a more absurd version of like the, uh, the, the sausage fattener, you know, kind of like that, which, which is also one of my favorite plugins, but I've started also just copying and pasting that like three or four times just to get like real, really dirty sausagey sound. Um, fat, but yeah, really I guess, good. I guess it's kind of more of like a saturator compressor compressor with a, you know, color knob, but, uh, but yeah, just, just like ridiculous plugins like that. I'm having so much fun with and just kind of just breaking the rules of Ableton and just sort of seeing what, what comes out has been a, a really fun little, <laughs> little obsession I've been into lately. Superb. That's great. Well, I, I also yeah. make uh, Max for live devices. I only learned recently that you use Ableton. So I'll send yeah. you, I'll send you some of my Max for live devices. You can play with them. Yeah, there's, please. There's... Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm still kind of getting into Max for live. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> just like so many things I still need to learn and do, but, um, so it's possible to use Max for Live if you don't like, because I think I have Max for Live on my on my computer, but I uh, haven't like actually used it. Like they pretty much just function the same way as Ableton plugins, or like yeah, I just like know Ableton so little devices. about it. Yeah, and there's a website called MaxForLive.com, which is uh-huh. which the this guy set up who's not even related to Max for Live or Cycling Seventy Four, and um, yeah, it's an amazing resource for free plugins and. Okay. Yeah, you'll find all sorts of stuff. You can type in sequencer on maxflive.com and you'll find um, stuff. Um, there's also Sick. really good sequencers. There's a sequencer called Rosa, I think, which is like a, a sort of acid sequencer. And you can yeah. click the face. You click the little face and it goes like that and you click it. Um, it its eyes close and its mouth sort of does something. Um, but yeah, it, it will vary the acid line a little bit. Like it won't go way off. It will just like tweak the acid line. So that's a really, okay. really fun one that I've used. Interesting. Yeah. Another thing you mentioned there was about finding, looking for the, the track in your recordings. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the other day. Do you know the artist Rival Consoles? I, I don't think so, actually, no. It's like, um, it's a very like ambient, ambient synthy music, but very deep and... Um, yeah, sort of really profound sounding stuff. And I was just, for some reason, watching his Against the Clock, which is him making a track in 10 minutes. And he did something... I, I love those, yeah. Yeah, he did something really, really cool, right? So he's got... He had, like you said about the knives, he's just got this texture mm. file, right? It's just basically a long file of just rustling paper or something. And what he did was okay. he chops it up in literally random places. He even says, like, I'm just chopping this random. And then, and then, fa- and then shortens each one to be, I don't know, like a second or something out of this long file. So he's got like mm-hmm. lots of cuts of a second and then fades them all down and he ends up getting one hits. He's got like one hit samples out of this okay. like texture. Suddenly yeah. he's, he's got like, yeah, and, and it's, he makes a beat out of it. And I was like, fuck, I've never thought about doing that. It's such interesting. A, such a cool Yeah, idea. I mean, like if you think about it, like all you really need to, to make any sort of, you know, percussive sound or, or a drum hit i guess is a is a transient you know and there's transients everywhere i mean it's like audio is just comprised of tons of little transients you know so all you have to do is just find the transient and then uh, yeah just shorten it fade it out and then you have you know a drum hit you know of course it depends on how good it's going to sound or the quality or it's probably going to need a lot of processing if it's just you know this paper or like you know a pencil tapping on a table you know but that's yeah that's that's all you need which is kind of kind of mind-blowing and just the, the the literal just just infinite amount of sound that can be sampled just always kind of blows my mind. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's sick. It is cool. Yeah, I got I gotta I gotta watch that. Definitely. Uh, yeah, just to do it with the texture, I was like, wow. Yeah, I gotta try that. And then obviously, that's then a really smart. Obviously, yeah. run it through the Doom compressor after doing that. Obviously, <laughs> totally. Yeah, like three of them. Yeah, just. <laughs> 
600 dB spike. <laughs> Just why not? <laughs> anything that turns the, the CPU processing up to about 95 and then, then you're in a good place. And then we're all good, yeah. Then you got some uh, some experimental ambient gabber. <laughs> Perfect. So we talked a little bit about the worst of all time, and then you released one called Ra- Rapacious. Rapacious, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was kind of a sort of a under the radar EP, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I made that track, and then I sent it to uh, my friend Danny, who um, who ran the Nightwork label, which is now uh, kaput, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, he just really liked the song, and he was like can you make a whole EP of songs like this? And I was like, sure. But of course I didn't because I just, I don't know, I just moved to Berlin and I was really busy, like trying to, I don't know, exist in, a, in exist in Germany. <laughs> so, um, and I was like, or we could just get a bunch of people to remix it and then we'll have lots of songs exactly like it. And he was like, oh, great. Um, so yeah, yeah, we did that. Oh, it was, dear. it was cool. Yeah. I, um, I, I initially just kind of, um, named it rapacious because I liked the word. Um, you know, it means like excessively, greedy or hungry and that's kind of how I felt at the time I, I um you know since I just moved to Berlin I was very much just like yes I want to like headline Bergheim now like I don't want to wait and like climb the ladder I want right all now right now I just I don't want to yeah just I just graduated I'm clearly like the dopest DJ ever I just want to <laughs> I just want all of it and so that was kind of just the mindset I was at um but then, of course, a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, took the title and, and ran with it. And they were like, oh, it's totally a comment on, like, you know, the super greedy labels and, you know, the the rapaciousness of the music industry. Like, yes, like, revolution. And I was like, all right, sure, yeah, I can uh, mean, that, mean that too, I guess. Uh, so I kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it a cute little EP? Yeah, yeah no, it, it worked. Yeah, then that's kind of the thing is, like, you sort of have to let people interpret your music the way they want because they will, you know, and it doesn't really matter what the artist statement says. You know, people will think what they want to think, and so just, just let it happen. <laughs> Definitely, fine. yeah, hundred percent. How how was that transition to Germany? Um, it was it was fine. I think, like, I don't know. Looking back, I probably could have been like a little bit more prepared. I I really like I didn't plan very well at all. Uh, I graduated in in May, and I moved out in July. Like that's how fast it was. Uh, I just didn't really want to live in New York. I knew I'd have to get, you know, like several jobs and I'd have to live in the middle of nowhere in Bushwick. And I just, I didn't really want to do that. So, um, yeah, I just got all my shit and moved and found a little, uh, a, a little internship and a, um, and a little flat. Um, but the bureaucracy was a total headache. Um, yeah, I'd recommend anybody who wants to move countries to have a really good, in with like a visa, you know, like either have a, a, a company hire you and get a work visa or have like a really big German agency so you can get an artist visa. I went for the freelance visa, which was really difficult because I, you know, wasn't really freelancing that much or getting paid for it. I was like DJing maybe, maybe once a month, but at, you know, at first it was like once every two months. Um, so I, yeah, I wasn't really making enough money to qualify as a freelancer and it was a giant mess. I basically just got like three to six month extension visas for forever and then one year long visa once and then the rest of the time was just you know all your taxes are not correct you must come back later oh this is you don't make enough money to be in germany and i was just like all right well fuck you i'm an artist (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing my best just let me chill i'm not hurting anyone but uh yeah it's kind of stressful yeah but i guess the i think um i read that you said you sort of um 
understood techno music having having lived in berlin oh for sure for sure yeah i mean i uh i, I studied abroad there in 2016 um when i was at nyu and that was kind of my my first like introduction into uh into club music into club culture um into sort of the way a, a dj can really fuse a lot of different genres together um because the only events i'd been to were in new york and a lot of them were kind of you know poppy top 40 djs and stuff like that and nothing really like mind-blowing um so so yeah i mean I, I i definitely learned a lot about um a lot about music and club culture and a lot about myself in berlin um i made some some really valuable uh contacts and connections um you know i i got a couple of really cool things that happened i was i was able to play burkine eventually which was really fun <laughs> nice. um yeah, at a CTM festival and um, in Music Board Berlin in 2018, uh, selected uh, my track Continue off of Worst of All Time uh, to be part of their, like, you know, their rising artist compilation, um, which Excellent. is really exciting. Yeah. What was it like to play there? At, at Burkine? Oh, yeah. it was it was nuts. Uh, yeah, it was like the highlight of my career for sure. Um, that, that whole club just, it runs like a well-oiled machine. I mean, truly, it's it's so organized and so efficient and everything is like so on time. And uh, I mean, like the, the sound system, especially, I mean, that was kind of the, the big kicker. I mean, uh, I mean, sound check, I just, yeah, I just, I just played kicker. one of my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I put on one of my tracks and I just stood just in the, like in the, in the dancing space, like, and just, just let it just happen to me. And I was just like, oh my God, like, I can hear everything. It's like it's like you really just don't understand like the magnitude of of sound and like the the ambience and the reverberations. Like it's really like it's a holy experience. Like being in a in a cathedral of club music. It's really remarkable. Um, yeah, I I really I just want to I want to play again. <laughs> I want to do it again so bad. Uh, I still haven't taken off the wristband. <laughs> oh, nice. That's nice. Hardcore. Yeah, going on going on uh, two years now. That being on. <laughs> That's brilliant. And, yeah. and what, like, what made you decide to go to Berlin in the first place? What drew you there? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like it was definitely the um, the, the the club scene, um, the the queer scene for sure. I mean, like New York definitely has that, and it, uh, you know, like I, I definitely went to some really really fun parties in in Brooklyn and in Bushwick that, um, you know, were kind of what I wanted to experience in Berlin. But the thing is, is that a lot of the the parties that I was interested in in New York were um, were underground. And since they were underground, like, you know, the sound system sucked. They were super far away. Um, you know, they usually had had to close semi-early, like, you know, I guess 6 a.m. They would kind of shut down, um, which is, I guess, early for Berlin times. Um, but, yeah, it, just, it wasn't like the same experience. Like, after studying abroad in Berlin, I, I tried really hard to kind of find those similar spaces um, of sort of queer and hybridized club music in New York. And they definitely did exist, but it just kind of felt like, okay, this is like a less – a less cool version of Berlin. Like it's, there's like trying to be Berlin and like, cause like at Berlin, you can actually have those same parties in legal spaces with really good sound systems. Um, and the crowds are a lot bigger and it's a lot just like heavier and wilder and, and a lot more awesome. So um, yeah, I wanted to be close to that scene. I also just wanted an, uh, an adventure, honestly. I was like, all right, if I don't do this now, like it might never happen. You know, I'm I'm 22 and, and foolish Definitely. and you know hungry and I just wanna, yeah, I'm just gonna move to Europe and just see what happens. Um, also Trump had just gotten elected. That's yeah. So and cool. I was like, I do not want to be here for this shit storm. So <laughs> I'm going to evacuate the U S as soon as possible, which I did. <laughs> it was great. That's yeah. Great yeah. move. You know? Yeah. I think, um, I've spent time living abroad and, um, it's something that I really look back on very proudly, you know, um, 
and I, I've got friends that just stayed in my hometown forever. Um, so yeah, I think I think yeah, have as much experience as you can. You know, go to as many places. Totally, as yeah, and that's something I'm always gonna uh, sort of recall fondly, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, remember and be and be proud of. Because um, yeah, it's like a lot of people think about doing it, but it, it you know it takes a certain type of person to just kind of plunge into the deep end without a huge plan. So there's a little bit of stupidity, but a lot of just uh, <laughs> motivation and, and hope, <laughs> optimism. So yeah, just, just kind of went for it. Yeah. yeah, Amazing. That's so cool. I think it's probably the perfect place to go and do that. Um, totally. You know, like there's so much Absolutely, stuff to do yeah. There. Amazing. Yeah, man. You've also done, okay, so maybe let's talk about Burn the Empire. Sure. So Burn the Empire was released last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you tell us about the ethos behind that particular EP? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, yeah, so at at that point, uh, actually, I worked on that record for maybe like I don't know a good a good year and a half, which is a little embarrassing because it's only like four songs. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like at, at the time of uh, at the time of creation, I uh, was sort of observing uh, all all these queer spaces in Berlin and all all these um you know these female DJ collectives kind of popping up. And um, I was noticing a lot of conversation about, you know, what, what, it, what it means to be a woman in the music industry, what it means to be a queer person, a gay person, all these things. Um, and I sort of noticed that uh, outside of these collectives that were very much putting that ethos at the, at the forefront of their mission, outside of that, there were a lot of um, journalists, mostly, you know, white male journalists, asking these questions to to other artists who who weren't putting that at the forefront of their art and people who weren't you know naturally talking about that as, as a source of inspiration uh myself included you know it's like yes i'm a woman yes i'm gay but i i don't like i don't make music for that or because of that you know i make it because it's my passion and it's what i've always done um and yeah so i, I sort of just noticed that like you know all the white male producers were getting these cool questions about their their tech setup you know their gear and the real nitty-gritty technological side which is what i'm interested in and all the female producers were getting these questions about you know politics and society and you know their identity and all this stuff and it's just like to me that felt really counter and like counterproductive i guess like i understood sort of the um the thought process behind that and wanting to empower other women and other queer people to make music. But I, I found it to be really counterintuitive because it's like the, the more we talk about it and perpetuate this notion that that women and queer people are creating music only to empower other people, it sort of undermines our our initial artistic goals and our artistic integrity. You know, like we're very much allowed to make music that's not for other people or for anyone else but ourselves, you know. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I really just wanted to make a record like, uh, so initially the, the EP was supposed to be called, this is not political. Um, but of course at the time it came out, it was in a very politically charged time. There was, there was Corona, there was, um, you know, the, the, the George Floyd case and Breonna Taylor, there were all these things happening that were so political that really marked, um, that time as just a intensely politically charged era. And so I thought it, it wouldn't look that great as a, as a white person to come out with a record that's like, this is not political. So I changed it to Burn the Empire <laughs> because it's really just like, because that was the name of the song, um, the, the opening track. Um, but also because I, I liked how it has a little bit of like an anarchist ring to it. And um, I also kind of kind of liked the idea of, of burning this sort of this, this, I don't know, this glorified empire of empowerment that people think that uh, that all queer artists and women are sort of working towards, which, you know, is is sometimes true. Like, if it's really your goal to empower others, great, go for it. But I don't think that every um, 
you know, marginalized persons should be burdened with that responsibility, basically. So that's kind of the statement I was trying to make. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with you. And <clears throat> I think it's sort of like a fantastic, um, fantastic message, really, because those conversations are it's sort of detracting from the actual art form or, totally. or the music. Yeah. It's yeah. like, instead of talking about the music, should we talk about, you know, like the things around it? Like, like you say, the, the, the male producers, the male DJs, they don't get yeah. those questions that are like, no, should we no. just like not talk about your music and we talk about whether it's okay to do what you yeah. do? And whether you how, do. It, how it feels to like be you and do this. And it's just like, it feels fine because I don't hang out with a bunch of sexist assholes. <laughs> like I, I never think about it. Like I really like, I never like, wow, this is so special. I can do this as a woman wow like lucky me it's like no i do it because i because i like to and i'm semi good at it so that's that's why i do it like it's the only answer to that question like so yeah yeah i think saying that like what's it like to be a woman in the music scene is a bit like saying what's what's the color blue like for you yeah it's, you know, it's, it's like, like what like i don't know any other fucking color. <laughs> like, this is it this is the color i see is this yeah is, like got nothing got nothing to compare yeah it to, yeah it's, it's like yeah i don't know like am i supposed to think about you know my, my past life like i don't know it's the only only life i have <laughs> yeah. only gender well, i have my previous yeah life. yeah like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I thought to, I thought it to be such a weird trend, and and, and luckily I've kind of noticed that question uh, die down a little bit because because luckily I'm, I'm not the only uh, you know female-bodied producer that has expressed frustration around that. So um, yeah, so luckily that sort of that trend has sort of stopped. But for a good like three years, that's all anybody was talking about and asking us about, and I was like, stop, <laughs> like please. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, it was really annoying, but. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of there's been a lot of changes in the music industry. Um, even you know in the last year with coronavirus, there's been a lot of things that have been called out and and changed. And um, yeah, it seems to be um, yeah, it's definitely changing very quickly. Definitely, like the world yeah. is Perf live performance, for example. Yeah. you know everyone's looking at how that's going to happen. Is it going to be like a VR thing? Is it going to be some crypto performance that's private? Yeah, like a AI is definitely going to um, start playing some more some more roles in, in sort of um, the, the the musical and visual combination. Um, but yeah, I, I think just like in in general, people are feeling less less pressured to like fasten a bunch of a bunch of meaning and a bunch of context to their to their music you know because because now I, I think also especially with, with sort of the the rise of of uh you know visual and virtual musical spaces um no it's not really about like the the literature of a record it's much it's becoming more and more about like the the full artistic experience you know like putting on headphones and, and watching you know visuals or music video and really experiencing it that way instead of just reading a press release and then going to a show you know it, it's sort of shifting the, the expectations of, of the listener, I think, a little bit too, um, which, is, which is really exciting, yeah. Yeah, and I think there was a time maybe, definitely sort of post-Napster, but there was a time where music felt like it was getting devalued a little bit whereas mm -hmm. i think now people are having the conversations about is spotify you know what are spotify paying their artists and soundcloud nothing just... <laughs> yeah absolutely nothing youtube's the same youtube's fucking terrible but like terrible, i know yeah. soundcloud uh, recently i think last week they introduced a, a way of paying out people from their streams which yeah you know, it's a step forward like kind of like I I've, I've done a lot of research on this and I've I've talked to some uh you know some 
some some people in the in the forums. <laughs> we have a lot of little private Facebook groups where me and all the all the weirdos hang out. Um, and like I feel like like on on the surface that is definitely going to help some people but uh yeah after doing some some research you have to be paying for like a pro unlimited subscription in order to monetize yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and so like like right now i already pay for the pro subscription which is you know six dollars a month um so that's not good enough so you have to sort of like pay more to actually make money and like who knows if that's gonna balance out if you're going to profit at all um you know it it's it sort of makes sense for like quote unquote indie artists who you know, already have like 25,000 plus followers. So it's good for those people who aren't, you know, like Diplo, I guess. Um, but I think for like real like niche artists, um, like like people like like me and other people in the group, I think it still is going to take some some time and a little more growth and a little more strategizing with this new model to actually see like, you know, usable income that's more than, you know, $3 a month. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's still a nice, a nice notion. And it's, it's nice that, you know, a, a big platform like that is sort of prioritizing, um, you know, monetization and, and paying artists for streams. So. Yeah. Hopefully it isn't just like a PR thing where they're like, Oh, we can make ourselves look really good here. If we tell people, yeah, put out some vague diagrams and <laughs> hope we get some <laughs> yeah, good oh, press. That's a yeah. Great, yeah. great diagram. I love that diagram. Uh, love it. Oh yeah. Yeah, but you also you you stream on Twitch, don't you? Yes, yeah, and that's been super fun. Yeah, what do you do on Twitch? I also I noticed that you have a track called Twitch.tv, which yeah, I think yeah. is like genius. <laughs> that's so genius. Thank you. Yeah, so some people think that was like a really weird move. It was actually supposed to be it's supposed to be my Twitch link. It was supposed to be twitch.tv slash Annie Clang, but I guess uh, some platforms don't allow you to use a hyperlink as uh, as a track title for some reason. So I guess. Yeah. But I guess it's like genius. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But I I guess if you if you write it out like on a track list and you do song and then artist, then that's like the link basically. Just TV slash Annie Klang. Um, Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, so I I started streaming uh, pretty much right when the pandemic broke out. I was I was always interested in in streaming pre-COVID. I just didn't really have like the kick in the ass to really do it um, until COVID happened. So. um, So, yeah, so I, I moved back to Texas to be close to family in case of, a you know, a, a giant catastrophe. Um, and yeah, I just kind of started doing it. Um, it started off with just like Ableton production streams and then that sort of grew into uh, track feedback streams, which I realized were, um, kind of a lot more lucrative, I guess. And people showed up to those a lot more because, uh, you know, I guess people care more about their music being heard than hearing other people's music, which is just, you know, how, how the internet works, I guess. Um, so yeah, so, so the, the track feedback sessions were super cool. Um, that's where just sorry to interrupt you. That's where people yeah. can, people can send in a track to you, their old track, yeah. and then yeah. you'll give feedback on it as well totally. as, yeah. as well as the hive mind, all of the people in the chat can give feedback. Yeah. To yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just a, a little, a little place to sort of send, uh, you know, works in progresses or, or demos. Um, and I, I also kind of noticed in general, there was a, a sort of lack of, um, of DJs and producers in my scene that were using Twitch in that way. Like there were, um, you know, some, some parties popping up, um, but there weren't a lot of like left field club producers using Twitch as a space to like build a community. Uh, so I sort of saw that, that gap as an opportunity and sort of, uh, went with it. Um, so the, the feedback streams are pretty successful. And then I, I took a little bit of a break while we were moving from Texas to California. Um, and then once we moved to Cali, I thought of an idea to um, to do like a, a first track I ever made roast, 
um, which is super fun. Basically, I asked some friends uh, who are now very talented to send me the first tracks they ever made. Uh, and of course, they were all terrible. <laughs> and so me in the chat, we just like roast the hell out of them and just make fun of how much uh, they used to suck. And uh, I kind of thought it would just be like a funny little joke stream. But um, it actually turned out like way better than I thought. And it, it turned into a very like supportive environment, um, you know, of, of definitely, you know, laughing at, you know, how, how muddy and quiet everything was, but, but also kind of celebrating how far we've come since then. Um, exactly. So that's something I'm doing. Yeah. That's something I'm doing the first Thursday of every month, um, which is, which is super fun. And, uh, and of course you're, you're invited if you ever want to uh, send something in or, uh, I'd love to. <laughs> or, just, or just watch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. And then of course I always play uh, something of mine at the, at the very end, which is super embarrassing and, you know, people love to, tease me but it's okay <laughs> i think on, on this computer here i have like 25 years or maybe even longer of those sorts of tracks like ah oh, just the bass why did i do that with the bass line you know just i i know yeah just but that, that's kind of like, like the beauty of it is like you can sort of like dig through your archives and you know finally play out that piece of garbage you made yeah 15 years ago that has never hit human ears until now you know um, yeah, it's a cool idea. So yeah, it's, it's and I th fun. Yeah. I think it's also like a, it's like a unifying idea as well for people who are starting out to know that, um, yeah, huge people who d who do make great music now, they started out making shit music just the same as we did. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. It's it's really nice um, and very like I guess reassuring. It's like okay, they weren't always this amazing. Like <laughs> like on the last stream, I, I got a submission from a Machine Woman, which was super cool. Um, and of course it was like the quietest techno track ever. <laughs> um, and then something from my friend, uh, Bungalov, who's a really cool, uh, Argentinian, uh, club music producer. So I'm going to kind of gradually try to reach out to bigger, to bigger artists and kind of, um, hopefully use that to, uh, grow the stream a little bit more and, and get the numbers up because it's definitely, I think it's something pretty unique. Like I don't think any other streamers are doing that type of stream. So yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's a cool one. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think YouTube and, and um, places like that, it does require a bit of a, like a, every video is like a, or, or series of videos are like a little concept now. And um, I think you've got a really yeah. nice concept there that is also open to, to like new versions as well. I mean, it could mm. just be, yeah, comparing the latest track I made to the first one I made or my first my yeah, first yeah. ever track of this particular genre would be quite a fun one mm. so everyone just get yeah, yeah, yeah. In, like their first drum and bass track which obviously sounds terrible <laughs> oh man yeah I, I have that somewhere yeah it's about it's about six minutes long because I, I didn't know how to how to summarize anything <laughs> I was just... yeah the least concise drum oh, and bass track of all time <laughs> yes truly yeah it just goes on forever um yeah that, that's a really great idea too kind of more like genre specific um first tracks I ever made yeah yeah there's really like there's so many different concepts that can sort of be tested out on a twitch channel which, which is why I like it as that uh as that as that, like the platform that I use um because it, it's so easy to just think of a concept and just stream and load it up and um it also sort of you know gives you access to a larger pool of people that don't already follow you on Instagram or Facebook or something it's like mm. you know a much more broad user base that, that maybe doesn't even know experimental club music um which is kind of fun. I'm just trying to like disrupt all the tech house and dubstep bros that are <laughs> taking all the Twitch viewers. <laughs> so the, yeah. Um, uh, what they call the speed runners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of those on Twitch. There's a really funny Scottish guy on Twitch called Limmy. <clears throat> 
who occasionally will be on a live stream and then he'll jump into Ableton and make a track. But generally, he's playing video games. He's a oh, funny guy. I, I think I've he's seen him. So yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely, I've definitely stumbled upon one of his streams once. Yeah, I, I forgot what he was called, but that that does sound familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's really talented with Ableton, and sometimes people will ask him to do something, and he'll just knock up a track in five minutes in Ableton. Uh, he, he went through a phase recently of doing like adverts, like funny adverts where he's voicing all of the characters. Oh um, yeah, just stupid, <laughs> but very, very, very funny. That's hilarious. Oh man, yeah, I, I got to uh, re- re- revisit his channel. It sounds <laughs> sounds really great. You've also um, the reason that we sort of got into contact as well was through uh, Renoise, wasn't it? Through mm-hmm. a couple of Renoise yeah. tutorials that I did. Um, so yeah, what have your experiences with Renoise been? Yeah, um, Renoise is super sick. Um, I I sort of discovered it. Um, I was just sort of you know re- revisiting uh, Aphex Twins discography as I do every couple months, just to kind of <laughs> get back in touch with the roots. Um, and then I just I I just sort of got this this itch. It was just like, how the fuck is he making this? Like I couldn't figure it out. I was like, this is so detailed and so like there's all these little edits and glitches that just only happen once. And I was like. Is he just record it all out into audio and chop it up? I was like, no, that's way too time consuming. And his discography is huge. And that would just take years. Um, so then I started researching like what DAW he uses and what um, what what softwares and what hardwares he uses to make his sounds. Um, and then I learned about sample tracking softwares. And I was like, oh, this is like a whole new way to think about music, thinking about it vertically instead of horizontally, which just like blew my mind. I never thought about that before. Um, so yes, yeah, so then I downloaded the uh, the demo version of Renoise and started playing around with it. Uh, it was definitely a bit of a steep learning curve at first, yeah. but um, once I sort of uh, started to started to learn hex a little bit, I'm still getting there, <laughs> hexadecimal. But uh, once I sort of got the concept of that and um, and started kind of following along with your tutorials, um, it really kind of all started to make sense. And I really just kind of fell in love with with all the all, all the, the the sample manip- manipulation capabilities, like. I, I never even considered the possibility of being able to have a playhead jump around at different parts of the same sample or be able to like reverse or pitch up and pitch down by just entering like a little piece of code, you know, that, that had never mm. occurred to me. Um, but yeah, but after following your tutorials and kind of plugging in my, my own samples with the same, I guess, with the same little like algorithms of like, okay, like start, start here and then go to this part of the sample and then reverse and then pitch up and pitch down and kind of auditioning out different samples with the same, uh, I guess, but the same formatting was just like really gnarly. And I was like, oh my God, like the possibilities here are endless. It was nuts. Um, but yeah, so I guess, yeah, that's that's how we uh, got in contact. And again, like, thank you for the amazing tutorials. It was like perfect, like perfect pacing, really great uh, introduction to that software, which otherwise probably would have completely driven me crazy with all the, uh, <laughs> all, the all the possibilities. Awesome. But, well, thank um, you. I'm, I'm yeah, really it's so fun. It, it, yeah. it helps you. And it's um, it's actually, it's been one of my, They've been some of my most popular videos on on YouTube, so it's now like I have to do part three now. Um, yeah, you got it. Yeah, to. yeah. Um, and there there is other there is other vi- vi- uh, like Renoise videos that I want to make. Um, but yeah, I'm just really pleased because I think when I wanted to learn Renoise, there was no video that told you all that stuff, and it was hard. It's kind of an obscure software, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know anybody who who uses it. Like I I talk to producers 
all the time. <laughs> like, and it's, it's just, it's Ableton across the board, occasionally Logic, occasionally FL Studio, but I haven't heard a single person be like, yeah, I use Renoise, which is nuts. And like, I really want to kind of, uh, yeah, like help people see the, the possibilities. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess in the future, we're going to do some kind of collab stream, which, which would be fun or some kind of, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It, introduction video which would be great because i feel like a lot of my followers would just eat it up i mean they they would they would love it um i think they, they just don't really know enough about it or they just find the learning curve a little too exactly but yeah um, that would be really fun i would love to do that yeah we've <clears throat> especially i think the moment that you see someone using renoise who knows what they're doing a little bit and you go oh my fucking god you can do that like i didn't know you could do that yeah it yeah is, it is it all comes yeah. down to like the sounds that it creates you know it doesn't you can sort totally. of hear in a track that it's an Ableton track sometimes, or you can hear like certain key key indicators. But with with Renoise, it's mm -hmm. like, what is that alien, futuristic, weird shit? Where is that coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's so fucking cool. And like, I was also really impressed at the quality of the uh, the built-in plugins too. Like, they all sound like really really good. Like like you're kind of right. There's little like key indicators you can tell like. Oh, this was made on Ableton. Oh, that's definitely like the grain delay. That's, you know, that's the frequency modulator, like for sure. And that kind of, you know, takes some of the fun out of it when you can just immediately see these little Ableton Easter eggs kind of hiding in a track. But, um, but, but yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've kind of taken a little bit of a break from Renoise recently just because I've been kind of going down the Ableton ra rabbit hole even more. Um, but, but I've kind of, I still kind of open it up and play around with it every now and then and sort of uh, load up demos and kind of very minutely change the hex code and swap in different samples and just kind of see what happens. But, um, but yeah, I really want to get like fluent at it. Um, it's basically like learning yeah. a language, uh, you know, with hexadecimal I, and everything. So it's going to take some more practice. You but will, I'll, definitely. I'll get there. Um, and if I can help, I'd love to help you um, <clears throat> for sure. Totally. Yeah, those, that'd be great. You know what we're talking about be, wanting to be Dr. Dre and like being a beat maker and stuff. I've got so many beats yeah, yeah. that I made like years ago in Renoise and um yeah, it's really cool to sometimes go back to them and go, "Fuck, that's really fucking good." And and totally way yeah, out right? like, totally not what I'd make in any yeah. other uh, software. Um yeah, yeah. You, we've also discussed via email about sort of social media and about the effect of that. And you, you do this sort of social media cleanse thing, which I really like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of, uh, I, I don't know, I kind of found myself every time I was in the studio and sort of working on something. And if I didn't know, like what to do next or if I was just stuck on a sound or just sort of stuck in a song I'd find myself just like scrolling on Instagram and just kind of killing time or talking to somebody on WhatsApp and I was just like fuck like I just need to like I want to just throw this phone at a wall I fucking hate it like it's just and it's 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 so easy to get kind of caught up in uh sort of you know the influencers and you know hustle porn and all this stuff and it, and it really kind of just sort of casts a, a, a negative shadow on my like life experience a lot of the time. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm, I don't know, what, what was I doing? I was watching a, a Brian Eno interview. Uh, it was it was Brian Eno and, um, oh fuck, I can never remember her name. She was an old like punk from like the nineties. It's British, uh, I don't know, but it was uh, a Anderson. Anderson. It was uh, a, Laurie Anderson. American. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, I think so. Is she American? Yeah, she might be. I 
I always assume everybody cool is British. I don't know. <laughs> it's like I'm some British person. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it was oh, Brian cool. Eno and Laurie Anderson, and it was about the record they made together. Yeah, and so they were like, yeah, we literally like we just you know went to the studio and just stayed there for like seven days and made a record. And I was like, that's sick. They just went to like a studio in the middle of nowhere, busted out a record. I was like, I want to do that, but unfortunately, I don't have like a studio cabin in the woods I can just retreat to. Um, so I'm gonna just get off email, get off Instagram, like you know, turn off Wi-Fi, just like put all that away um, and just start my day in the studio in my day in the studio um, and just see what happens. And I was spending at least like seven, eight hours, like nonstop studio time, uh, just working on my next record. And it was super great, but it was also just, I didn't, I didn't really imagine how like emotionally draining it would be like, cause I realized that like, you know, one of the, one of the good things about Instagram is it is just sort of a constant feed of like humor and funny content, you know, mm. and like cat videos, which is sort of just like the the antidote to my <laughs> to my depression sometimes, just looking at a cat. Uh, so like with without that, it was definitely like I felt like I just didn't <laughs> smile at all that week because I was just so like in my own head and so just like you know just concentrating on waveforms and beeps and boops and stuff. But um, yeah, but but out of it, I have like seven or eight demos that I really like that I'm gonna finish up and and put on a record. So it's it was a really good use of my time and. Um, something I think that more artists should should do when they're sort of trying to finish something. So, yeah, it was great. Definitely, no, it's really admirable that you do it. I think it's it's a superb yeah, idea. Um, and I think it sort of it reminded the way you described it then about it being hard to sort of come off it a little bit. Mm. I feel the same way, you know, like I was I was definitely addicted to Twitter. It's I, addicting, yeah, yeah. So addictive, yeah. Like I was so predictive to Twitter, uh, addicted to Twitter. And so, yeah, quitting that was like coming off heroin or something. It was like, yeah, hard. like itching and you get hives and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, and real it's life hard. Suddenly really shit, you know, you're like, oh no, what's happening? Um, yeah. It, it sort of reminds me of when we said earlier about training your ear to listen to, um, to delay sounds and compression. Sort of yeah. like coming off social media is a little bit like you've got to practice that to be able to be good at it. You yeah, know, like, totally. It's yeah. It's hard the first time. You won't get it. You won't yeah. Do. Yeah. You, it, it's it, really hard. And I, I, th- I think it, it does take practice for sure. Um, I, I definitely plan on doing another one and I, you know, I'm probably going to like approach it a little more differently, maybe like find other organic ways to like, you know, find joy and happy moments in the days and not just be like a, a little studio robot, you know, just kind of just a, a faceless drone, just <laughs> making music, which is kind of how I felt. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, no, it definitely takes takes time and practice to get used to. Um, definitely. Because it, it does kind of release dopamine, you know, <clears> and it's, it, it is very addicting. And so when you, yeah, when you take that away, it's just sort of like, oh, now I'm just alone with, with my thoughts. I can't just scroll and <laughs> see what everyone else is doing to distract myself. It's, it's weird. Yeah, but uh, Exactly. Important. Yeah, we yeah. all then have to face our own existential crisis. <laughs> And suddenly that's a very difficult thing <laughs> to deal with. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's just, oh, oh boy. All right. Yeah, Hello, brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, did the, you did the sound for a short film, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, like the, the one most recently or? Uh, yeah. The, the one with the clown in it, because it sort of relates yeah. to what we're talking about a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's about a uh, it's about a, a clown uh, stuck in Berlin quarantine. Um, yeah, that was that was super fun. It, it sort of came about because I, I had a uh, I have a, a friend, um, another virtual friend, um, who just hit me up and was like, "We have all this footage that we recorded on like an old VHS camera. Um, we're wondering if you just like had any music that you want a video to." Um, and I was like, "Well, yeah, I've been sort of working on this this one piece, which is supposed to be like a like a tripartite piece." Um, or a little EP with like three separate songs. Um, and it was supposed to be for my ex-girlfriend to dance to, um, who's the same, the same girl in the, uh, in the, in the, the problem equals music video. Um, supposed to be for her, but alas, we, we broke up. And so I was like, yeah, this thing's just kind of been sitting <laughs> on my hard drive, taunting me. And I just don't really know what to do with it. And, um, and she was like, okay, well, let me hear it. Uh, I sent it to her and, and she loved it. Um, and so I kind of just condensed it down. It was initially supposed to be like nine minutes long. I you know, condensed it down to like three minutes, 50, I think. Um, and yeah, they, they put together a couple edits and it, it really kind of made sense because it's, it's kind of a, a frantic sort of anxious sound. Um, and the video I think really nicely matches that, you know, and it, it sort of, uh, I, I don't know, I think nicely echoes sort of the, the reality of the beginnings of quarantine, you know, where you just, don't know what to do with yourself and you haven't been inside this long in your life and you're like, all right, what else can I clean? <laughs> what else can I do? It's 2 p.m. but I kind of want to get drunk. Like it's, you know, it's just so weird. Um, so yeah, that was a really fun, a fun project and it, it got some good response, so yeah. Yeah, I think I got really high in the first quarantine. Yeah. My coping strategy. <laughs> oh, same, yeah. I was like, all right, daytime stoner, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's great. an interesting concept behind the video uh, because um, she's looking for like, productive ways to fill her day with and then mm. realizes that they those things actually have no value and you might as well just do the fuck what, what you want to do um, yeah yeah which is brilliant like that's so true great yeah i i, I think all of us i mean well I'm, I'm not sure how many uh how many straight men have done this but i, I think a lot of a lot of us have kind of just like gotten ready to go nowhere. <laughs> like I'll find myself putting on my dope like DJ attire and like putting on makeup and doing my hair just to like go to the grocery store because I just I just miss like dressing like a DJ and just looking cool um, and just getting dressed up. And that there's there's one scene in the composition for clown video where she just like puts on this like really elaborate like clown makeup and then just just literally just runs through a field alone. <laughs> and I was like I. I relate, you know, you just want to just <laughs> slam a beer and run and see nobody. But, you know. But, you know, you you feel hot and that's that's good. It's yeah, good little, I think, yeah, w- whatever gets you through, whatever you want to do is like, it's yeah. cool. Um, and I'm sure you look cool doing everything, you know, just putting the bins out or whatever. Putting the no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, my daily uniform is, is sweatpants and a, and a hoodie, you know, I just... <laughs> And I just have this whole, this very, just this very sad section of my closet. It's just like all just neon, you know, checkered, flashy attire that just hasn't been worn in a year. And I just, I just touch it and I'm just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Soon, my like bright orange jumpsuit hasn't been worn in like, so long. Like the vaporwave section of your wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all my like, you know, yeah, my like, uh, my Dutch, you know, gabber the onesies and stuff like that. So. <laughs> jumpsuits yeah well it will be come into use it will be useful very soon i'm sure hopefully uh fingers crossed <laughs> yeah, miss them. yeah cool um so just a couple more questions really if that's cool sure um yeah yeah for sure it's been really great to speak to you though i've really really enjoyed you as well yeah really it's nice to put a face to the a face to the email address yeah i have no face on the internet you won't find a picture of me for reasons which yeah. i'll explain in an email probably but um Cool. traumatic situations led to led to that stuff 
Um, mm, got it. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, just sort of yeah, final sort of things really. Um, what, what do you like to do uh, aside from music? Like, what do you enjoy? What, what, where do you find peace and serenity away from music? Um, yeah, good, good question. Uh, I mean, yeah, audio is, is a large part of my life, but, um, I mean, I also love, uh, other art forms too. Like I, I still love to, um, to, to draw. That's just still a really big part of my life. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I recently took to doing sort of larger scale ink drawings. Um, I used to only just do like, you know, ink on paper and little spiral bound notebooks. Um, but, but now that I have a proper studio, um, you know, we have, uh, I don't know, seems like hundreds of Amazon boxes arriving daily and there was all this cardboard getting left. And I was just like, yo, like we need to use this cardboard. This is a, <laughs> this is good material right here. Um, so I just bought some white gesso and just been covering cardboard and, uh, and gesso and turning it into canvases and doing little, uh, like ink drawings on that cool. with, uh, with, with brushes and sort of, yeah, with like a Indian black ink. And that's been really fun. Um, to just sort of express myself that way. I love that uh, white, I, a black ink on white is just such a bold same. thing. It's so powerful. Yeah. And it looks so good. Um, yeah, I think maybe even for my next, like my next, uh, album or EP cover, I might, uh, just sort of use one of my drawings. Cause, cause why not, you know? And I feel like we're all getting kind of lost in this like hyper digital realm, maybe be kind of refreshing to see something, um, you know, made on paper <laughs> again. Um, right. Yeah. 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 And also something that comes to mind that I've never really thought of is that that, that black and white contrast Mm-hmm. You can use that in like VJing software and video editing software as like a, a map, like a, a great, like a sort of a map. So you could, yeah, that would be really funny thing, fun thing to use in VJing or like video software to use that black and white. So then, yeah, if you can zoom in and scale that image and then you can overlay two images using the, yeah. that shape. Okay. That would be really interesting. interesting. I should try that. Yeah, I've been meaning to get in more into like, I guess like VJing, like visual type stuff. Um, Cause a lot of the, a lot of the visual stuff I make is, is pretty static. Like sometimes I'll, I'll drop a drawing into Photoshop and kind of clean it up um, and sort of, you know, just make it look prettier, but I, I'm still yet to sort of learn how to like animate uh, the art or sort of turn it into other digital mediums. But that's definitely something I should do now that, you know, VJs are in high demands and it'd certainly save a lot of money and time if I could just do it myself. Um, well, I tell you what, I, I think you're pretty, I, I can imagine you're pretty competent, you know, with, with computers and stuff. Resol- sort of. Do you know, do you know, what, do you know what Resolume is? Have you heard of Resolume? Resolume? Uh, no. Is that like okay, a good Okay, so VJ that's software? what you need because it's basically like Ableton Live for VJing. Ooh, okay. Um, How do you spell that? Like R-E-S-O-L-U-M-E. All right, cool. It costs about seven hundred pounds, oh, about nine hundred dollars or something. I started VJing about a year ago with Resolume, and honestly, if you know Ableton and you know yeah. the fundamentals of mixing a track in Ableton and having uh-huh. layers like in Photoshop that you would have yeah. in Photoshop, Resolume is amazing, and you can beat sync everything. You can Ooh. beat sync it all, so you can beat sync fades to be, but you can also MIDI control everything. So if you've got like a keyboard. You can use all the knobs and faders to to merge different videos as well as just to trigger a clip. So you can use like MIDI note C4 to trigger this clip and B3 to trigger that clip. But Oh, hell yeah. MIDI connected. I think it also links to Ableton. Um, Oh, wow. Okay. It's really good. That's sick. I can maybe yeah. I can show you maybe sometime how to use it. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah, that that sounds right up my alley. I definitely want to want to give that a, a shot. Or I guess um like Adobe like 
Premiere, I think. Is, is, is that kind of a similar thing or is that more for like animation? I don't know. Like, Premiere is more like uh, for video editing. I think After Effects okay. is for animation. But but um, yeah, yeah. With, with Premiere, it's not like a live performance thing. Whereas okay, Resolume, yeah. if you think of Resolume as like the Ableton live of VJ. Yeah, it's more like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I guess, I guess the analogy would be um, Premiere is like the new endo. It's like the the post-processing suite. Okay, got so it. So it's not for it. live, you know, it's just okay. like... A more advanced iMovie. Beards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. Sick. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see your art. Do you have any of your artwork online anywhere? Um. Yeah. I had an old. Uh, not even sure if it's still up. It was an old like deviant deviant art page, or it was on uh, that old oh, freelance cool. site. I yeah. I'll, I've got a deviant art account somewhere. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to find it. I, f- I forget what I saved it as if it's like my real name or if it's Annie Klang or uh, yeah, but it's, I haven't what, updated it. Is like your real name? <laughs> no, no, my, my real name's uh, Annie Kasaya. So I, you know, similar, but uh, yeah, I kind of, kind of shortened it out. But yeah, I haven't updated it since like probably 2015, like super old. Oh, that's okay. That's I cool. couldn't find any results. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to do some research and find it. But there's also some stuff on my on my Instagram as well. Um, it's really yeah. difficult to to look through Instagram accounts if you haven't got Instagram. There are a couple of websites that like approximate it. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'll have to dig around on some of them. But I'd really like yeah. to it. I bet it's fucking cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I kind of experimented with like showing off my art a little bit more and... I don't know, it didn't really get as much like traction as like the music stuff. So I was kinda like, I'll just sort of do my doodles and sort of show off show off certain ones when I'm ready or I'll kind of occasionally post them in my stories or something. But uh but but yeah, I don't know. I should probably put them out there a little more. But uh yeah, I kind of just don't want to distract from the, from the music too much. <laughs> Definitely. Well that's why yeah. sorry to go back to it, but that's why Resolume's really good because it's you instantly know where you are with it, that it actually doesn't take hardly any time to fucking get it. So um yeah, okay, it's awesome. really good. Yeah, I'm definitely going to um, look into that. Yeah. It costs so much. <clears throat> I know. What, that's really, yeah, that's, re- that's pretty ridiculous. Bastards. And I don't think that's for updates yeah. either. I think it's just for the version that's out when you pay for it. So like the next year, you can't get the, the fucking update. Um, yeah. Oh, pr- Jesus. I think it's because so many people crack it, but I don't know. If they, <laughs> if they made their price more reasonable, maybe people wouldn't crack it. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, money doing it's that. just how could a software possibly be that expensive? I just yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, that's, that's fucking stupid. Cool. And yeah, yeah. how about, um, do you have like a mantra? Do you have like a philosophy that you, that you live by? Ooh, good, uh, good question. Um, I feel like, uh, I don't know, it's ra- rather crude, but I guess just fuck it, you know, it's my mantra. <laughs> just fuck it, you know, just do it. Um, that's, that's kind of, I guess, what I live my life by a lot is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a, a textbook overthinker in a lot of ways. I, I really kind of, sometimes I get lost in the, uh, in the hamster wheel of my mind and just too. sort of keeps, yeah, it just keeps spinning and spinning. And I, I sort of overanalyze sometimes and I sort of have to remind myself to just like, all right, just get off the hamster wheel, just sit down and just, just fuck it. Like whatever you're thinking about doing, just stop thinking about it and just, just fucking just do it, you know? And, um, that's, that's been a, you know, a, a, a pretty helpful mantra for me, I guess. I wish it was more poetic but uh it's it's short it's simple um i mean even when i'm when i'm meditating uh you know the the yoga teacher you know, with the online classes i do will sometimes give uh little 
suggestions of mantras like you know on the inhale say let on the exhale say go and just say let go and i was like you know that doesn't really work for me i'm gonna use fuck off instead (laughs) inhale fuck exhale off and that's uh it works for me you know you kind of have to find like what works for you but it's like i you know i i my mom probably wishes I didn't curse so much, but you know, there's some study that apparently intelligent people curse more than the average person. So I'm, I'm going with it, but, uh, I think but yeah, so. it's, yeah. right. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're not, uh, we're not making content for kindergartners. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, exactly. So uh, yeah, it works for me. And it's like, it's a firm way to just tell all the anxious thoughts to just politely fuck off, you know? <laughs> It's great. That's really cool. And I think that that philosophy mantra sort of fits in a little bit with what you said earlier about having that urgency in life, you know, like do it like you may not have this opportunity again or, you know, you won't be here again. So just fucking do it. Yeah, entirely. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's been really great for me. Excellent. Well, it's been fantastic to talk to you, Annie. Thank you so much. You as well. Yeah, this was super fun. I'm glad we finally uh, got a chance to do this. Great. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, I really, really love your music. It's really um, sort of... Thank you. It's got a really good vibe to it, and I, I'd love to... I can't wait to hear what you're next going to work on, all that other stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, the the, the next record is... Um, it's definitely a, a little different than my uh, first few releases, but I think that's that's good. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to evolve a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, of course, I'll, I'll send you... Uh, you know the the little uh, the the promo or some some little demos once it's taken a bit more shape. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear what Please, you think yeah. about it. And um, I don't know, maybe one day we can go for uh, go to a cabin in the woods somewhere and make some techno away from social media together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that would be sick. Yeah, no, that's that's my dream is to find a little little studio cabin in like Norway or something and just <laughs> just escape society and just create. That's that's the ultimate dream. Excellent. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Annie. It's been really good. Cool. Talk. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Oh, it was really nice to catch up with Annie. Uh, she's a really nice person, despite the sort of, you know, the forefront of her music being very hard and dark and industrial and um, menacing. Yeah, she's a really lovely person uh, herself and um, she's very open and very chatty. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend that you check out her Twitch stream and uh, all the fun things she does on there to get people involved. Uh, Check out her music and um, yeah, go and see her play when it all happens again. Okay, next time we're speaking to a really talented duo from Ireland. Uh, who make uh, really incredible music. They've had their music played by Aphex Twin and Surgeon and lots of other people, so we've got plenty to talk about with them. Please do donate to the podcast if you can. I do all this by myself in my bedroom. I do the promotion, I do the editing, I do the recording, I do the organisation, I do everything on my own. Uh, So it's really great to get donations in uh, to help with the running of the show and to encourage me to keep doing this. Um, Thank you very much for listening. I'm Midiara and I will see you again soon.